The Trek Files, Season 11, Episode 6, Star Trek Premises by Jerry Soule and Gene Roddenberry, March 1973, Part 2. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, all of our Trekophiles spelled with an F. Look, we're going to dive into some more animated series era history. And I'm just going to say this. I had such a good time with our guest Aaron Harvey last week, the author of Star Trek, the official guide to the animated series. I should say co-author there with Rick Sheppes. I we, we had so much in the files talking about what didn't happen on the animated series from, from some of these pitches from writers young and old, uh, veterans and new, that I found a batch of pitches that didn't make it to, to air from some names we already know from Star Trek. So look, I'm not trying to be uh, vague casting here. Take a look at our uh, documents this week, as we have every week, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. We've got some premises that we're going to be talking about, all right? Now, stick with me. Here's an audio sample, and then I'll be right back with Aaron to talk about it some more. planet's surface. There is every imaginable delight and luxury and absolutely no sign of danger of any sort. The Enterprise crews beam down and begin to lead what is rest and relaxation period of incredible luxury and contentment. But then insidious things begin to happen and heaven begins to turn into purgatory. Actually, they have landed on a strange prison type place which is maintained by the inhabitants of another planet. This other planet sends their malcontents and criminals to this place, where they have to serve out a period of hardship. Hmm. All right. Well, let's just dive in. Aaron, I'm so glad you could join us again for another episode. You know, I knew that could not be the end of it. We've got all kinds of these premises in the files here that didn't make it to air. But these have names attached that we recognize. Yeah. And I didn't, uh, you know, we didn't get to talk about these in our book, which is kind of cool to be able to to actually dive into them. I was going to say, that's the, the frustrating thing. Anytime you, you get the keys <laughs> to some cool Star Trek project, yeah. there's always the limitations that are oh, frustrating. Yeah. And you always have more material, especially if it's a book, than you could fit in. So yeah. I know you wanted to go, it's a guide to what you saw on TV, but you guys were kind of limited in, in the what ifs, right? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to go through the novelizations and talk about the differences between the episodes and the, the stories, uh, you know, just basically all those things, all the things that if you read comments about the book that will say, hey, you forgot X, Y and Z. <laughs> like, no, we didn't forget it. We just couldn't put it in there. Uh, so, yeah. So so I, and just to refresh everybody's memory here. So Jerry Saul is no stranger to Star Trek. He is the writer of the Corbmite Maneuver right out of the gate. Um, this side of paradise, he had the story credit. But he has his Nathan Butler pseudonym on it because he wasn't happy with the way Gene rewrote it. But he's the one that the original story was called Way of the Spores. So, right, we're all up there with Layla Kalami. And um, so he's no stranger to Star Trek. Um, what did you think as you read this one, though? 
Did it see, to me, it seemed a little, well, what did you think? Well, the pleasure, it, I'm confused as to why they would make it all pleasurable and then put their malcontents there and then make it turn bad. Like, what was that? Is that some sort of punishment in itself? Or that was confusing to me. I didn't quite understand why the planet was at, as it like it was. Um, but, I, you know, it, it feels, you know, there's always like a planet that, oh, it looks great on the surface. And then it turns out, no, it's horrible. So it's it's kind of a, a, a standard trope. Yeah, and well, it could be interesting depending on what they did with that whole, you know, why is it heavenly and then kind of turns to, to hell. <laughs> well, I should mention, too, Jerry Saul also had the story for whom gods destroy. So you're talking about malcontents, yeah. which was a prison, you know, Elba II, the prison planet uh, yeah. where Garth was uh, the mentally ill, criminally right. insane. So and the story only. But um, this I read this and I'm thinking, well, well yeah. Then we have Xanthar from the planet okay. of the. <laughs> it's like what? What's that one the... was that 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 just went on. It just it's it's so there's so much to it and but it doesn't say anything <laughs> at the same time kind of. Uh, yeah, Xanthar is basically a giant robot that is with a fifties robot name. Yeah, Xanth- <laughs> Yeah, it totally. It reminds me of Vexilon a little bit from from Lower Decks. Whole idea of this this you know all-knowing computer thing uh but it's basically it's it's captured this planet it's subjugating all the people it can read your mind it can do everything you're never going to escape it and the enterprise shows up and kirk and spock get stuck there and they find out that the the original uh, people on the planet who are being subjugated are actually xenophobes and there was another planet that was asking for something that they needed to save their civilization and they said no because you're weird, we don't like you. Um, and, and then so they built Xanthar to come and take it from them. So um, somebody has a problem yeah. with uh, boundaries. It's, I mean, yeah. now that you put it in those kind of, you know, on one hand, I'm thinking, well, this is like, there's something Borg-like about this, but also yeah. uh, there's something, um, the Vidians. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're dying and we need this. Oh, yeah. we just need you and all of your skin because we can't solve our <laughs> disease problem. You know, the sympathy for us is going to, you know, end very quickly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and it, I just, yeah, it, there could be something really interesting in this, but just the way it was plotted out seemed a bit, it feels like one of those episodes where they would just go back and forth between two places and you would start to lose track of where you were in mm-hmm. the story just because mm-hmm. of the way it, it was set up. But I like the idea that Spock basically, uh, Mind, or not mind, but uh, hypnotizes Kirk into thinking that he's going to give up the ship and everything. Mm-hmm. And so Xanthar has no, um, you know, no reason to doubt him. And, and they come out of wherever they've been hiding. And uh, there's a post hypnotic suggestion that causes it to explode or something like that. Well, that's like, where okay. I was feeling a little specter of the gun mind touchy, you know, like the bullets yeah. are not real. Mm-hmm. Uh, go out and lie to this guy. I, here's the overarching with this particular one, though. You write, you rattle off Jerry Soul's credits. Does it give you some inter- some in, you know insight into maybe we think of the enemy within, right? And the poetry in this in the does it give us some insight between Gene and maybe John D. F. Black's rewrites that uh, Jerry Saul actually is obviously a, a longtime writer, professional. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like you think, wow, this is this is um, his. Of course, it's. I think this is uh, Dorothy's note taking, or it may have been right from him. But does it give you any insight of maybe Jerry Saul wasn't like the smoothest <laughs> picture, story conceptual, writer. yeah, story yeah. writer? 
there's a lot of really good ideas and i feel like this is sometimes my my writing style or it's like i've got a great premise or i've got like some good characters i'm like but it's just matching that with a story and an art sometimes doesn't quite work out um so i feel like this would be one of those times where it would benefit from a co-author or another, mm -hmm. you know, somebody stepping in and helping revise it or whatever. Cause that happened a couple of times on, on TAS. Right. Well, that's, that's the normal writing system of any show. How many scripts come in the gate, whether it's a staff writer or that's a third true. party, you know, that are yeah. just, Oh, this is 99% ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and if it does actually, then they get hired on staff very quickly. <laughs> Thinking of Ron Moore there, but you know, yeah. I like the idea at the end where it's like they have the final resolution of the story comes when the Federation starts to act as an arbiter between the two planets and tries to work out a, a, an agreement where peace can be had and like feels very like second contact. Sort of thing. Right. Well, yes. But I mean, it's an old trope. You've, it's like yeah. outrageous Okona and it's like yeah. a symbiosis, but without a resolution. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the Federation jumping I into these of symbiosis two planets, too. you know, two planets bit. So, I mean, yeah. some of this, it's just kind of clunkily arrived at and yeah. yeah i don't know maybe that's 1973 maybe it might be but there are other ones that we looked at that were pretty straightforward and seem to have a, a general you know beginning middle and end right and and this you seems can tell to have he's a, a pro a middle and he's, end <laughs> he's actually written out six seven paragraphs here for oh, just yeah. the premise but of course Again, it's March but some of this could all be said in one paragraph, too. <laughs> well, right. I'm going to say a professional writer is maybe going a little out on a limb here because, again, the writer strike of 1973 has just happened. And that's why Dorothy yep. is getting some names in the door in the first place. Mm -hmm. And speaking of names in the door, the other two here, oh, a little, a little unknown named Gene Roddenberry apparently pitched these. Uh, they're almost like a pitch and a half because the second one, the Call Me Joe... Mm -hmm. Let's do that one first. It's, That's a, it's a half. Just, yeah. It's a half a pitch. It's almost like it's like all the things they criticize writers for pitching. Like, how about the planet of the fill in the blanks? Without yeah. how, do we have a story that affects our regulars? Oh, yeah. well, that can. That's what he's done here. But I guess you can do it when you're the executive producer. Yeah, I was like, if you've created those characters, maybe the maybe this is the important part for you. Um, I like I had said in the last episode, I did not realize that they were at one point thinking about using the transporter to change the crew members into the native population just like basically genetically engineer with a transporter yeah. i mean they've they've done that before where like they change the person's ears or their nose ridge right, or whatever right. in tng like but they don't ever really like turn them into what do they said like this uh you know uh six or seven eight stubby legs you know if they, they for some reason they're talking about uh, him going to jupiter which i don't know why gene chose jupiter because that's just a weird option and especially when they don't do anything within their solar system in the 70s. Um, well, what's, I, I was so intrigued by this because why, where in the world did he come up with this title, Call Me Joe? And a little bit, of, and I'm not a big sci-fi historian, but apparently uh, a novelette by Paul Anderson was called Call Me Joe that was published in the Pulps in Astounding Science Fiction in 57. So it had been around for 20, 15, you know, going on 20 years, about a, a robot body that was occupied by that was that was meant to colonize Jupiter. So rather than change yourself into oh. you know, engineering, it was a robot shell that was that was remote piloted by somebody who was actually disabled. So and, he just basically and, chose Paul Anderson's um, well, story not an and exact, then added a couple. Of it's Twitter. not an exact leap over, that's, but um, that's, that's the whole Jupiter. thing about I mean, that's he, the that's where it's like that would be like okay, come on. <laughs> now he does say, uh, for example, on Jupiter they would. Do well, yes, it. I and know. it's a whole. It's a concept that he's saying could use. Yeah. But 
Let's look at the Pleasure Planet, which yeah. I'm sorry, is this just not Shore Leave uh, meets uh, Whom Gods Destroy meets? Yeah. <laughs> we almost feel like meets maybe a little some bit of, of this... Borg here with we're going to take your or or Armus even we're going to instead of having one group you know that's all all of our bad qualities are in in case yeah. one we're going to reverse arm. I don't know what what did you think? But and the is... fact that you get like in the end some it's almost like the hunger games in some ways too because some if they're cleansed of their evil they get to go home so it's like how that happens i don't know um it's like the good place maybe you get points or something i don't uh, I, I think now Mary's i feel like Jean, parts of this may have i almost feel like pleasure planet and xanthar kind of glue those twos together in a vague way and you get once upon a planet you uh-huh. get the sequel to that from shore the original leave, right. um shore leave yeah it sort of feels like that. Well, I, I, it's I, yeah. I'm not sure what. I'm just, I'm just amazed that how here is here's Gene Roddenberry, who is as on the inside as you could be of a new yeah. series coming, and these are his ideas that he comes up. With. I think that kind of plays into the 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 feeling that we got is that Gene was sort of this is Dorothy's show, and I'm here mm-hmm. to make sure it still stays Star Trek, and I'm doing other things. Oh, look, there's, you know, um, the Questar tapes that I'm going to go work on, you know. The, mm-hmm. it, it kind of feels a little bit like he was just, story-wise, not as invested as in, like, in regular, the original Star Trek. I feel, well, obviously, but I, but, I yeah, feel I mean, like these, yeah. these are like, this just came, this but is off the my head. I'm going to dash yeah. this off. And maybe they were. I mean, maybe these are like literally the the thing of like, hey, we've got a meeting tomorrow and I've got to come up with some ideas. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, we always think that they're just these thought out. Well, you know, like everything just comes out. Oh, no. Put together. But no. Uh, And as a creative, I know that that this process. can So these could just be him on a bad day or him in a hurry or, you know, Mm -hmm. anything like that. I mean, there's there's nuggets of things in here for sure. I, and but, uh, and uh, Once Upon a Planet is the animated sequel to Shore Leave, but they yeah. did do Shore Leave, and mm-hmm. there, it's it's just uh, I don't know I don't know I um, well TAS was also they were able to revisit some of those episodes because mm-hmm. this was before VHS and watching reruns and stuff, so it was a way to kind of see the episode again without actually seeing it. It's just like a, a callback episode. I don't do you do you see anything in these or even the ones we talked about on your first visit? anything that especially these though that say if uh, if they just threw a pile of money at Mike McMahon that they might <laughs> why <What, laughs> yes this is the idea the very idea I've been looking for oh you mean if he could take Are these any and... of these salvageable in any shape or form oh, for today well the call me Joe thing I think that has something to do with, like changing them into something else I think that has some comedic opportunities you know if you do mm-hmm. turn mariner and boimler into you know blobs or something that could actually be pretty funny you know just without have, the use it, of drugs as we yes. saw in, yeah. and it, which would allow the animators to do like really wacky things mm-hmm. and like you know lots of movement and and uh kind of like uh what was it the the short trek with the little dot whatever his name was but they mm-hmm. had kind of like those uh, Warner Brothers type animation of them, like you know, the the shadow or the uh, the puff of dirt is left behind when they run away or something like that. But I can see you doing something like that with with Call Me Joe. The Pleasure Planet's just like it's kind of generic, you know. It's a, it's a prison planet that turns it starts out it looks great and then it turns out to not be. And mm-hmm. although I'm still not, I do not understand why it would start out great. Like, what is the point of that if you're just putting your people through your malcontents there is that like 
just to rub it in their nose? <laughs> like, well, you know, know, what we're not getting here is that, you know, Gene had all those years in criminal justice and law enforcement. Mm. And this is this is revealing a very deep insight that we're apparently just not <laughs> getting. Um, that would. Uh, yeah, that would actually be interesting. I wonder if this if any of this was ever blown out further, like if Pleasure I, Planet has more notes anywhere. I, I think this may Probably have mercifully not. just laid, laid here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the, uh, and again, overall, remember, these are all for Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the other thing. It's like these, we're talking about like, you know, TOS, I could see some of these, but some of these are just like, bye. In, yeah. the, in the era when we're trying not to, they're still in the anti-violence era, right? For yeah. Saturday mornings. No superheroes, That's why I think the no Call violence. Me Joe actually could work for kids' cartoons, because mm -hmm. you have a lot of opportunity to do something really interesting. You could turn them into lactrins, you know, from, from, uh, from uh, the Eye of the Boulder. From the yes. Eye of the Boulder, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with the, a basically slug person or something. So that could be kind of fun, and you, you, you hear their voice coming out of, like, a slug or whatever. Um, well, but, I, uh, I know that far better writing examples have come out of far crazier pitches. Yeah. You know, so. I think Pleasure Planet just, it became, you know, once upon a planet in, in a way, I think. I think it got lost in the flood, right. So that's, I, that's what it, I mean, it turned out, I think that works much better for a cartoon show and showing the what you can do with it. Like all, you know, they had dragons and giant mm -hmm. cats and all that stuff. It's like, you, this doesn't seem to have that whimsy. Right. Although and, and maybe it did. We don't know. There's not a lot of description. That's part of the problem. It's a premise. It's a premise. But yeah, that's what makes it fun to yeah. makes it fun to just kind of dance through these. It reminds me of improv it. in some ways. It's sort of like you mm -hmm. do an improv show and it feels like it's the first draft of a story. And sometimes it doesn't make sense internally. There's no consistency. Names change. It's like so that that feels like this. And I, I, I identify with that. I suddenly got this flash of Dorothy taking these pitches and then having the person finish. And then she says, yes, and <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Listen, Aaron, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we found yeah. a cache of these of these unbought premises, including from names we know this week we're looking at. And it's just been a lot of fun to do. We consider know the what if of this. <laughs> I know I need to do some more research. He's apparently yeah. buried deep and deep in Wikipedia. I have to, I have to <laughs> IMDB. Maybe we'll find out. But thanks again, man. Thank you. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment and all of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek on Portal 47. Yeah, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. That's where you can also link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Public shop, too. Trek well. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.